Hello and welcome to the Clustering Insights podcast. I'm your host, Chris Walters, the head of life sciences for the UK at JLL. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Kasia Averill, the head of cluster development at the Cell and Gene Therapy Catapult. How are you, Kasia? Are you okay? Very well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed actually prepping for this podcast, let alone getting stuck into the conversation. I'm sure it's going to be well received by our listeners. And before we get going into sort of the meat of the discussion, uh, Kasia, could you give me a headline overview of of your role, what you're doing and and what the catapult is all about? And then we can we can go from there. Perfect. Thank you. The Cell Energy Therapy Catapult, we're part of the, the Catapult Network, which is an Innovate UK initiative. And it's really designed to make the world, the UK, world leading in different sectors. The catapults as a whole, we aim to bridge the gap between academia and industry. So taking ideas and really transforming them into goods and services. There's nine different catapults in the UK. They each cover a different sector and we are cell and gene therapy. So we're focused on the advancement of cell and gene therapies in the UK. And we work over the complete span of the sector, all the way from research and discovery and some of the lab work, all the way through to full manufacturing and into patients. So about 400 people working for us across different locations. And my role is head of cluster development. So I am really focused on trying to create the right conditions for cell and gene therapy companies to put their GMP manufacturing operations in the UK. So if I just explain that a little. GMP manufacturing is when you're making a medicine to go into a patient and that can be for clinical trial or it can be a fully authorised product. It's quite a regulated end of the market as you can imagine and it covers everything from small scale first in man clinical trials all the way through to large commercial globally distributed uh, proper authorised therapies. That's great thank you for the intro and in terms of maybe a um, an introduction around or sort of context to cell and gene therapy and how that sits within the broader um, science industry, I think would also be useful for the listeners. Okay, so cell and gene therapies, I am really excited about them. They are the most complex and advanced treatments under development, and they really do have the potential to revolutionise global healthcare. They're attracting huge levels of investment but they're also really transforming the lives of patients. So they're special. Um, You'll often hear them referred to as as living medicines or living therapies. We're using cells or genes or tissues to fight the underlying cause of a disease. And because of that, they can provide really long-term benefits or even cures. So there's a really inspirational story that we, we cite a lot about a young girl who was diagnosed with a form of leukemia when she was five. She had exhausted all of her treatment options. Um, Doctors recommended hospice care. She was expected to live for only a few more weeks. And she was given a very experimental treatment. She became the first paediatric patient in the world to receive what's known as a CAR-T cell therapy. And today she is alive and cancer-free. It has amazing potential. It is exciting because it started out on these very rare sort of complex disorders things that weren't very well understood and sort of considered incurable but it's no longer the case anymore we've had these big advances in science and clinical application and so by the end of 2021 if i just cite some alliance of regenerative medicine data here at the end of 2021 nearly 60 percent 
of all the clinical trials were for high prevalence diseases, things like common cancers, diabetes, Parkinson's. So it's a sector that is really growing and has the potential to be really transformational. And that's partly driven by the way that the industry is actually undertaking the R&D and the therapies that are being created is actually the modality of the R&D that's really driving cell and gene in terms of the new technologies that are being created. That's partly what, you know, we, we've evolved that, that technology, haven't we? And that's partly what's driving this sector. Yeah, absolutely. The UK has demonstrated, I think, during COVID that we have such a strong uh, academic and research base. We've been very early world leaders in this. But we've also been very early leaders in the manufacturing of them. And I think this is where we're now trying to, to capture the market to take all of this potential through science and clinical application and really transform it into therapies that can be distributed over the globe. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds great. And it's, as I said, um, right at the beginning, I've enjoyed sort of prepping and, and talking to you about this even before we were recording it. One of the things that we, we've looked at as a house at GLL is around looking forward to those modalities of research and actually how much of the, the pie cell and gene um, is, how that's grown over the past three to five years, but actually where we think that will be in the next three to five years. I think there was a stat that we picked out that globally we thought it was going to grow by 23% over the next three years, which is quite incredible because... We know from speaking to yourself and others within the industry that actually understanding the, the way that research is undertaken has the direct impact on the physical real estate that's needed to, to deliver it. So we'll, we'll definitely get into the, the real estate piece um, in due course, I'm sure. But you mentioned manufacturing and in particularly um, how that works for, for cell and gene therapies. What is the actual physical need for for cell and gene um, therapy manufacturing space. How does that differ to um, you know, traditional R&D labs that um, is probably fair to say is getting more of the limelight at the moment in the real estate community for sure? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I start out by saying that my, my background is in medicine manufacturing and of all the medicines to make and that they're all quite tricky, cell and gene therapies are amongst the most difficult to make. Um, and we are, as a UK, we are an early leader in the manufacturing of them, but there is, there is quite an opportunity to build on this. Now, manufacturing for GMP, it means it's going into a patient, as you said, into clinical trial or fully authorised. So you are covered um, or you're subject to a suite of regulations. So unlike when you're doing your, your lab work, you, um, your, your building itself is going to have to meet the demands of the inspectorate. So some of the regulations cover what happens inside the building, and I guess that's nothing to do with the real estate, but the building design, the layout, the airflow, people, material flows, that's also going to have to comply with the expectations of the inspectorate. And one of the the key differences, I think, between, say, us and the US is that over here, if you're manufacturing for clinical trial, the inspector gets involved early in the US. You don't hit that regulatory barrier up until uh, the product becomes commercial. So you've got uh, a more regulated building, I guess, which is why you're going to need some quite specialist advice on how to design it. But also these therapies are really innovative. If I think back to kind of my early career in medicines manufacturing when I was working on different types of therapies, the buildings were designed around the process because the process was fixed and the process was predictable. 
But with cell and gene therapies, they're very innovative. So this connection between your R&D work and your process development and your manufacturing has to be really tight. And the processes are changing and the processes are adapting. And that's a bit of a nightmare for the companies. They have to find ways to work around that. They have to find ways to update. They have to find ways to sort of have really strong communication with, with process development. But it also, I think, means the real estate needs to work around that, right? You're trying to future-proof a facility without really knowing what the future is. So it does have to be flexible. Future-proofing of an asset is probably one of the most common questions we, we have from clients, particularly on the developer-investor side. And I think it's probably fair to say that on the um, on the manufacturing, particularly around GMP manufacturing, it, it hasn't had the prominence, it ha- probably isn't as well understood from, from that market because it hasn't been a mainstream product that they have they have been delivering. But clearly for all the reasons we were talking about a bit earlier around how the how this part of the industry is growing, what is the current situation at the moment, um, Kasha, from your perspective around the amount of existing supply that we have that is suitable to cater for this type of R&D and, and manufacturing? And you know, do we have enough? And is there an opportunity to to build more of this type of space um, in the UK market to cater for, for the needs of the companies and the research they're doing? I, I really hope that there is the opportunity to build more. Um, we did a, a manufacturing survey last year and manufacturing space in the UK for these therapies has grown by 153 percent between 2017 and 2021. So there's a really strong growth trajectory. So in terms of supply, I think you need to look at where the where the manufacturing is going. There's different pockets of excellence all over the UK and the visibility, I think, of what's going on inside those pockets maybe isn't as strong as it could be. Um, we did a, a paper with MedCity that we've just released kind of on this topic. But um, there's lots of excellence, say, if you just take London, for example, really strong excellence in uh, development, process development, especially their early stage manufacturing. There is a perception, certainly from the work that we've seen, that there's a shortage of GMP space in London. But trying to put GMP space into London is is tricky because London is is busy and expensive. However, there is a really good opportunity to put GMP space somewhere else in the country. And it's making sure that we can really connect up these pockets of excellence. So it is a growth sector. We are trying to uh, generate companies that can manufacture products for GMP. It's a really strong bit of the market to capture for the UK. It's certainly part of the government's drive is to capture innovative manufacturing and capturing it in these shores is important because it's it's sticky. It's really hard to make these medicines. And once you've got them located somewhere, trying to transfer them out is, is quite problematic. So capturing it and making sure that companies have got enough space to do the manufacturing is really essential for retaining them here in the UK. I mean, it's great to hear about the growth that we've had over the past five years or so that you said in terms of the recent growth. But obviously, being able to bring forward space to cater for the immediate demand for companies and how this might grow in the future is obviously another key part of it. And also great to hear about centres of excellence around the UK. I think, as we've we've discussed on other podcasts around sort of the the north-south or how we look at Golden Triangle or non-Golden Triangle, I think it is really important to think about the how these different clusters within the UK can collectively come together to, to for the benefit of an industry as a whole. 
So good to, good to hear about that. And we, we touched on sort of the real estate need and the fact that because this industry is so fast paced, trying to cater for it is, is challenging. How have you seen from your experience the real estate community try to manage that fast paced nature of, of this part of the, the sector? Is it from a technical perspective, is it building higher floor to floor? Is it increased MEP um, servicing, etc.? Perhaps you could just touch on that from a technical perspective to share with, with the listeners. Yeah, sure. So I'd say one of the things that I've certainly seen from the real estate community has been way more interest recently. I have been doing this quite happily for many years and no one's been particularly fussed about it. And there has been an explosion of interest, I would say, from the real estate community and also from the investor community as well. So we've spent quite a lot of time speaking to people about manufacturing needs and showing them a manufacturing facility. Um, if you if you think about what you need in a manufacturing facility just at a high level so you're going to need warehouse space with storage at different temperatures some of the products have got very sensitive temperature requirements uh, we're also suffering a little bit from uh, global supply chain problems so a lot of our processes use single use disposable items and they're quite hard to get hold of now so you need somewhere to store them we're finding that we're storing more and more and more and more and if you're manufacturing a product where you're using a patient's own cells and that patient is incredibly ill, the timeline you have to turn that manufacturer around is short, right? And if you've got a patient and they're extremely poorly and you've got their cells and they're not in great condition, but you haven't got a plastic connector or something like that, that's a batch lost, but the patient impact is really big. So something like warehousing space, looking at what you need in the facility and also looking at what the third parties can provide for you and, you know, can you create these sort of relationships with, with, with third-party logistic companies? That there's a need for that. You might need space for large-scale kind of liquid handling, you know, buffer prep and things like that. And then you're going to need manufacturing space of different cleanliness, so different grades of ream. And depending on what you're manufacturing, they might need to be segregated from each other um, to prevent cross-contamination. And this is the bit where the regulator, the MHRA, is going to look at how your people, material and products flow through that facility so making sure you get that building design right is essential um and then the bit that you don't see um is, is your utility space so a lot of space for air handling systems to go in um, companies will need maybe medical gases some companies will generate their own water so water for induction for a fed water loop and then you've got waste handling and some of that can go down the drain and some of that might need some kind of biological inactivation and some of it might need incineration there's lab space that goes with it. Um, that can be close to the line, you know, sort of monitoring your, your product implant or it can be uh, end of end of product uh, testing. And then the bit that always does get forgotten is the office space and the storage space, right? For the people who are actually kind of working there. So we have seen huge interest from the real estate community in, in uh, life science manufacturing buildings and the opportunity there and we've been showing people around uh, we've got a manufacturing facility in Stevenage we've been showing people around that sort of giving them you know a, a good kick the tires feel of what a manufacturing facility should should look like and we're seeing uh, growth in companies who are designing now flexible spaces there's some uh, modular builds going up the Autolus build going up in Stevenage um, uh, Reef uh, Merit that's uh, a modular build that's gone up very fast and uh, is flexible so it, it can it, it can accommodate process changes in the future. That's great I mean even the even the mix of uses that you were just saying within one building to cater for 
what these companies need, essentially like four or five plus different things. And, and perhaps I think when I first started really getting stuck into this sector, I was thinking, okay, well, it's manufacturing. You only just need one sort of single space, but actually it's much broader than that because what you're talking about is a full service model, which means that you need different types of space to actually undertake the, the manufacturing bit um, in the middle, if you will. So that's really interesting to hear. And in terms of some of the, you know, we talked about the space, but perhaps to zoom out a bit, what are some of the other key criteria that you think these companies are looking for in order to have a successful cluster? You mentioned Stevenage, which which we know well and is you know, a fantastic example of, of successful cell and gene therapy companies and, and some great development like the Autolist build that you said. But what are some of those key criteria that you think companies are, are looking for in this space? Okay. Um, transport links nationally and internationally. Uh, these therapies might have a very short shelf life. If I take you back to that example of a patient taking their own cells, in Stevenage, we've got examples of patients in the US where their own cells are being shipped to the UK for manufacturing and then shipped back out again. That has to happen really quickly, right? So you need these really strong national and international uh, transport links to, to facilitate handling these delicate living you know, cells. Um, one of the big things is around, there's a lot of growth um, in the industry, which is good. There's a lot of growth in manufacturing, but that needs people. And manufacturing people are different to the kind of R&D people. It's a skill set in and of itself. So the ability to recruit staff is, is quite a big one. And you can get that from maybe adjacent kind of pharmaceutical manufacturing, you know, different types of manufacturing um, or developers, I've seen some developers are interested in putting training facilities in as part of the ecosystem to kind of you know, build that pipeline and give companies the comfort that they can, they can recruit. I think um, space and infrastructure to support growth. So if you do start this nascent cluster and you land your manufacturing somewhere, you need to be able to accommodate more and you know, more people are going to come to the area and you're going to get that kind of additionality. So space to support growth. Um, and engage local government uh, and, and local enterprise partnership. You know, certainly if the town has got a vision that's centred on, on STEM or cell and gene therapies, then that's, they really kind of get behind a support. So that's very positive. And then the area's got to be able to attract this private investment, right? Um, so the specialist life science property developers who are coming in, they've, they've got to be sort of comfortable with the area and seeing what's there and able to, to attract that kind of private investment. That's great. I mean, the, the points around you know, transport, skills the environment sort of common themes i think across the whole industry but interesting always to hear about how the, what the nuances are in in your particular field we've also we've mentioned some of the established clusters like stevenage and you said there are sort of these centers of excellence across the uk are there some standout examples either at a uk or at an international level that we you know we could point to and say this is a successful example of of the type of cluster that we've been discussing yeah, I mean, um, I, had, I had a really lovely example recently about Cambridge. There was an academic who's working in regenerative medicine and he said, what I get over lunch, other places need to travel to a conference for. And I thought, that's, that's lovely, isn't it? That's what you want from a cluster. You want to be able to just nip out and have a chat over lunch that, that gives you uh, what other people need a conference for. I mean, Stevenage is brilliant because I think it really shows what... Uh, an area can do and how it can build something world class if it's got that vision and focus. So the Manufacturing Innovation Centre that we put in, we put in, um, it was put in because back in 2014, 
uh, Cell Energy Therapy Catapult looked at the manufacturing that was going on in the UK and we extrapolated the clinical trials and we realised that if they progressed, the UK physically didn't have enough space. So we wouldn't be able to carry on manufacturing for those clinical trials in the UK. They're just The manufacturing space wasn't there. And so it alarmed us because we've said that these, these processes are, are sticky. So if they have to go offshore, they'll stay offshore. So the idea was, was to put this Manufacturing Innovation Centre in. And Stevenage was chosen because of the reasons that we've kind of mentioned, you know, good transport links, space to grow, potential for clustering, et cetera, et cetera. And the business model there was that we will take companies in, support them through the complexities of GMP manufacturing, but then enable them to transition out to their own facilities. So it's really growing a pipeline for the, the UK. And in terms of success, um, if I just kind of highlight a few things to show like what a, what a positive cluster can do, we've attracted, I think, nine companies um, uh, to, to the manufacturing centre, um, some of them from overseas, in fact, quite a few of them from, from overseas. We've generated a load of investments. In the last year, our companies had £437 million invested in them. It's, it brings it up to a total of like £1.3 billion. So there, there's good money yeah, coming into these companies. Um, it's, yeah, it's attracted Reef and UBS. You know, you've seen that the um, big redevelopment of the uh, GSK campus is going to be uh, one of Europe's largest bioparks. Cadans have come in. They put this specialist life science incubator into the area. Um, the local, the local town's really got behind it. So Hartford Chillet, they've got a cell energy therapy action plan now, which is focused on capitalising on this opportunity. And Stevenage Town has got uh, £37.5 million to redevelop the town uh, to make it uh, a really exciting place to live and work. And now we're seeing things like the adjacent industries coming in. You know, we're seeing specialist supply chain and logistics companies in, and they've got their own real estate needs, but they're, they're co-locating to be near the, the vibrant community. And then... I guess all of this has been recognised by the Department of International Trade. And so they, they're creating it as a high potential opportunity for cell energy therapies, really trying to attract inward investment. So it's, it's, I suppose it's a good example of how you can build a cluster. It's not finished yet, and there's certainly stuff we can learn from, from other countries, but it's a, it's a lovely example of, of, of how it can work. It's fantastic. Really good to hear the detail about how it's all been knitting together. And you mentioned um, one of the other things you said around... What does an area need to make it successful was the public sector. And it sounds like you've got a very, you know, engaged and positive public sector voice from from the council and, and the LEP, which is great to hear. And I think we've seen we've seen that up and down the country in multiple different fields around science, that if you get the right combination of private and public sector engagement, it can can really make a, an area flourish. So it's great to hear. Moving perhaps from the We'll go from a success to maybe the challenges and then back to the positive at the end, if we can. But I think we talked about um, the specific needs of this industry, how we can cater for it. What do you think are the main barriers to success? It feels like we've got quite a lot of potential to, to tap into here in the UK. What do you think are the things that we need to watch out for that might slow down that pace of, of change? There's a lot of competition from other markets. This is a growing sector. There's a lot of money coming in. So there's strong competition now from other markets. And trying to get the UK to be a favoured place to do business, really, it has to be integrated across a whole range of government departments. So I think we're going to have to work really hard on getting that understanding that trying to gain strength in medicines manufacturing is a really long-term ambition. Uh, attracting talents spoke a little bit about 
skills and how GMP manufacturing is a skill set in its own right. But our, our skills survey predicted we're going to need, I think, 10,000 bioprocessing jobs by, by 2026. It's a 151% increase. It's a huge increase in the number of jobs that we're going to need. So getting that talent, getting people in, getting people trained, it's expensive to train someone up. Making a facility operational as well. I mean, it's, it's not one for real estate, but getting the facility built is, is one thing and, and hard enough. But actually getting it up and running, you know, getting the procedures that make it work with a good cleaning regime and maintenance and engineering and microbiology, that kind of stuff, that there's a big ass there. So there's a, a, a bulk of work to be done there to make sure that we're getting the buildings, we're getting the people and we're getting the people who know how to work the buildings. And then one of the things that's maybe a bit of a barrier for selling new therapies at the, at the particular moment is a supply chain. We use lots of single-use consumables. We've seen a lot of supply chain disruption. So there, there's an opportunity there, I think, for the supply chain companies to sort of carve a niche out for themselves in the, in the selling new therapy hotspots. That's a slight nudge to any, any of them that might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone listening, please do. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, I think it's, it's good to be open and on, honest about what those potential barriers are so that you can collectively work. And I'm sure that you're doing work behind the scenes to sort of lobby whoever whoever will be whoever the key stakeholders are and I think it's it's important so that we can unlock unlock the growth and looking in that you know looking ahead to the future it sounds incredibly promising what's uh, what does your gut tell you that where this is going how excited are you lots of growth I hope lots of growth we've got some good signals um we raised or, or UK based uh, developers, therapy developers last year in, in this area, they raised over 1.7 billion, which is 30% growth year on year. We've seen things like the Life Sciences Innovative Manufacturing Fund, the £60 million capital fund providing grants for medicines manufacturing investment. Now that's really good. It demonstrates, I suppose, the, the value of innovative manufacturing to the UK, but also it has been really positively received from the market. So the interest is is there and strong. So that's good. There should be lots of growth. I think sustainability is going to become very important as well. You know, in medicine manufacturing, there isn't a country that's got a real lead on this at the moment. So the UK has got such an opportunity to set the standard here. And I think because it's my, my job, I would like to see these clusters, you know, these genuinely economically impactful clusters growing that are globally competitive, generating significant investment at scale and pace, attracting the adjacent industries and then connecting them up to generate all of these whole new supply chains and a whole rise in high GVA biomanufacturing jobs. I think that would be what we want to see for the sector. And ultimately, I guess, more and more people getting access to these life changing therapies. What a place to finish. That was great. Kasha, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed the discussion. Um, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Thank you for having me. No problem at all.